You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. This show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. Hello and welcome to this episode of the British GT Fan Show, fuelled by TCF Sports Cars. We're bringing you all the latest on the 2021 Intelligent Money British GT Championship and more. Join us in this episode for a roundup of the recent British GT Esports Championship, including an interview with Morgan Short. And we also take a look at the lineup announced for the season opener at Brands Hatch. British GT Fan Show is hosted by Sarah Smith, alongside resident British GT expert Nicholas Smith. So welcome everyone to the latest British GT Fan Show podcast. Uh, if you are a regular listener, then you may have noticed there's been a slightly longer gap than usual uh, between our most recent episodes and we chose to delay a little as we were obviously all anticipating uh, the entry list coming out which has now been released unfortunately slightly sooner than we could get together to record Um, but uh, you know it's here and we're going to have a look at that later in the episode but first up uh, you know we've been covering the esports championship that's been taking place uh, prior to the start of the season and that has obviously come to an end now the gt3 title was tied up before the final round uh, with james baldwin coming out on top uh, he was not able to attend the finale due to other commitments and the last round therefore meant that gt4 was to be decided uh, nick you've been following that a little more closer than I. So do you want to give us a, a bit of a summary and then we'll uh, move into our little sneaky section. Yeah, so from, from James Baldwin, it was it was quite an impressive run. Uh, we're talking about, obviously, the world's fastest game and you'd expect him to be pretty good in a sim racing championship. But this man has contested four of the five rounds of the championship he has won all four of the rounds he contested on the road. Uh, and he would have had the title wrapped up nice and early if not for the fact that he was uh, penalised at Alton Park and lost the win in favour of Angus Fender uh, in the stewards room after the, after the event. Um, now, at Silverstone, basically Baldwin was in a class of his own. It's like he turned up in a GTE car and everyone was running GT3s. Um, the second place car at the end of the one hour race, which was the first time that the Will World Racers, I believe, have have raced on a set of course of competizioni in the wet. Um, but by the end of the hour, he had 22 and a half seconds over Alex Buncombe in the Sky liveried Rocket Team RJN McLaren 720. Um, now when you are racing an identical machinery it is very very surprising uh to build up 22 and a half seconds in a one hour race 
um, we're looking at an advantage that was knocking on for a second a lap over somebody in identical equipment, and that's just almost unheard of. Uh, what we do did also have a bit of variety at the bottom end of the podium with Angus Fender, who couldn't quite keep championship aspirations alive, but did uh, obviously finish on the podium in the Century Motorsport BMW. Um, so it was a good result for him. Throughout the field, there were pretty good battles as, as the drivers not only got to grips with their cars and the conditions, but with the people that had settled into battling throughout the championship. The real battle of note for me uh, was between two Aston Martins, Tom Canning in the TF Sport car and Bobby Trundley in the Team Brit Aston Martin as well. They were going at it hammer and tongs for most of the hour. It was really, really interesting to watch, and it was a really competitive race, so well worth watching. Um, the second of the Century Motorsport BMWs, Ben Green, he finished in sixth place, uh, which was behind uh, Bobby Trundley, and obviously Tom Canning finished in fourth. So Ben Green finishing sixth. Uh, whilst Jack Mitchell uh, suffered a drive-through penalty as a result of contact with one of the GT4 cars, um, and he finished in seventh with uh, Fox Motorsport and Liam McNelly rounding out the top eight. Um, but it was really in in GT3 in terms of of championship focus. It was all about James Baldwin, and he put on a masterclass. Uh, it was the last masterclass we would see as well. Uh, because having tied up the championship and with other commitments, he decided not to race at the Donington Decider. In GT4, uh, it was Jack McIntyre who claimed his first win of the championship, having led every round of the championship so far at some point, but never claiming a victory. It does mean that there were actually two top steps of the podiums for Rocket Motorsport, because Jack McIntyre, or Jack Mack, is run by Zansho Rocket uh, Simsport. Uh, so the the Jensen yellow, black and white livery present on a Porsche Cayman this uh, this time. Championship leader uh, was Nils Nyok. Uh, he carried a maximum ballast into Silverstone and the ballast and the wet uh, sort of conspired. He, w- he was mired down the field. Um, which did allow Jack McIntyre to close the points gap in the championship to just 10 points. Um, It was a dominant performance again in GT4. McIntyre led from pole and finished 24 seconds clear of Tariq Gamil um, with uh, a a number of other, uh, other vehicles featuring very heavily on the coverage. And... We have complained before about the lack of focus on GT4 cars. Silverstone was quite a nice balance. The final round of the championship was very GT4 heavy, and it was really worth watching. And you can still watch it, because, of course, all the races are available on the GT World YouTube channel. Um, Gamble had a good, had a good run, uh, and then a, a proper scrap with Florian Harser. Um, there was a bit of a, a bit of a contact which sent the McLaren of, of Haas spinning. But really the story of the GT4 race was Nils Nyox, who despite being encumbered with full weight 
after his results at Snetterton. Uh, did everything he needed to to, uh, to come out in the lead of the championship and with the strongest possible chance at Donington Park. Um, he managed to get fourth place. I say, despite being heavy in the wet, uh, it was really re- a really consistent and, and reliable drive, as you come to expect from from Nils if you watch um, online racing at all. Um, it does, of course, mean or did, of course, mean let's let's get my tenses sorted out. It did mean that Nyops would be free of any weight for the final round. Uh, now. If we fast forward onto the final round, which, as I said, very much focused on the GT4 battle. Being free of weight allowed Niox to properly run away with it. Um, he took the the title in GT4, along with the prize bundle that we've mentioned in the past, the, the €2,000 Fanatec bundle of steering wheel pedals and... Um, and steering wheel base, uh, along with entry into the currently running uh, GT World Challenge Europe esports series as well. Um, BMW topped both podiums, Angus Fender taking his second win of the championship, the first time that, that Angus would win on the road in British GT esports. Uh, the, the M6, as driven by Fender, the Century Motorsport car, started on pole. Uh, moved ahead quite uh, quite readily at the start, built himself a nice gap and was never headed. Um, behind him, Team Rocket RJN and, and Michael O'Brien, along with Jody Fannin's JMW Motorsport Ferrari, uh, rounded out the podium. Um, but it was all a bit long-range grappling in GT3. And as I said, we didn't see much of it because GT4 was... Astounding in in terms of the racing, Niox looked comfortable pretty much from the off, but all through the field there were really close battles. Jack McIntyre, the other title contender, managed to get to second place, but obviously being down on points from the BMW, he really needed Niox to have a problem and finish off the podium, uh, and that just didn't happen. But he did all he could really to claim the title with. Um, Team Fordzilla, which is a, a new name to the championship, running an Alpine A110 GT4. Uh, Charlie Crossland, one of the hot lap uh, qualifiers into the final round, rounded out the podium. So the hot lap qualifying system really has worked through the championship. We've had a number of rounds won by hot lap qualifiers or led by hot lap qualifiers. And I think we've always had a hot lap, a hot lap driver on the podium as well. So uh, it's been, it, re- it really has worked this new format of the championship. Um, so coming away from the end of, um, coming coming away from the end of Donington Park, our champions are known, James Baldwin for Team Rocket RJN in the McLaren, obviously claimed the title around early with Angus Fender runner up, the, uh, the highest placed person to contest every round. Uh, meanwhile, BMW Motorsport Sim G2 Esports is the team name which celebrates victory in GT4, thanks to Nils Niox in the plain black, somewhat brooding and menacing BMW M4 GT4. 
Coming up next, we've got an interview with Morgan Short, who of course was participating in the British GT Esports Championship. And after that, we'll be back with the news that we've all been looking forward to, which is, of course, the entry list for the opening round of the 2021 Intelligent Money British GT Championship. I'm Angus Fender. I'm a McLaren GT3 driver for Two Seas Motorsport, and you're listening to the British GT Fans Show. So as we discussed in the news, we have obviously crowned the victors of the British GT Esports Championships. Uh, which happened as a finale last week. And we have uh, a guest on our regular episode, the first of many, hopefully, um, and the first of possibly multiple visits. We've got Morgan Short with us. Hi, Morgan. Hello. Happy to be here. Hello, Morgan. Uh, Nick's going to take the brunt of this interview as uh, he is our resident esports specialist, as in he actually can play the game. <laughs> and actually did watch the races. <laughs> this is true, but I have work and coursework. <laughs> All I hear is excuses. <laughs> it's only five hours out of your month. I'm getting horrible, horrible looks right now. So, yes, um, obviously, uh, driver of the good to see back number 88. Good to see, even better to see back. Roll Center Racing, even better to see back Momo liveried uh, McLaren 720S uh, in the GT3 class as one of the professional drivers. How did that come about? Getting the whole thing together and the Momo livery and yeah, that that was Dad's. Dad sent me through. Uh, he sent me through an email about obviously it was the I think it was the newsletter or something, and it was saying about. <laughs> the new British GT championship will be open for, uh, for real life drivers. I was like, Oh, well we could we're sort of joking. I'll try and blag it. Cause obviously I haven't raced in British GT, mm-hmm. but sort of one thing led to another dad's sort of asked a question and they very kindly made an ex or not an exception. Obviously Jack Lemmer and, uh, and a couple others were, uh, were in as a, as a basis of, uh, well, because of their connections or family ties or whatever. Yep. Um, but you know, it was it was it came about by dad asking a question, and that's how. Uh, and they and they very kindly let me join. So, we the the one condition was that uh, Tom Hornsby would uh, would get to choose the livery. There was obviously there's obviously a a, a decent amount of choice for a British GT roll center livery. There could be uh, you know the old TVR in the blue and green, or the Texaco yeah. colours. And then obviously the mm-hmm. silver and silver Moslers, the green Moslers, and eventually uh, he chose the Momo black and yellow Mosler and opened up Photoshop and took me a few few painful hours. But for a relatively simple design, a, a set of courses uh, templates are rather difficult to get a, to uh, to put all together in the mm-hmm. actual game. So it took quite a while to, for a relatively simple design, but obviously people seem to be quite happy with the result. Any chance of offering it to uh, AK Informatica to put out as downloaded content for me, please? <laughs> well, I can send it to you if you'd like. That <laughs> oh, could certainly be arranged. If you, were. I, w- I would absolutely love. I can send it to anyone that wants it, of course, because <laughs> obviously uh, it would be pretty difficult or pretty far-fetched for them to put it in as a downloadable content. But of course, <laughs> the more people that get to see it, the better. 
Yes. So obviously we had five rounds. You participated in in four of them. I have to say, worst excuse for missing an esports race ever: picking up your trophies at Brands Hatch. Yeah, I know. I probably should get my priorities in order, shouldn't I? Um, obviously, the first race, driving standards a little bit questionable across the field. Everybody getting used to the new arrangement because even the sim racers weren't used to doing multi-class in Assetto Corsa Competizione. Um, I think the first thing that I'm going to take away from this here is in equal machinery, you finished ooh, 11 places higher than a Formula One world champion. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I, I was the McLaren really struggles on the game around Alton and it was Don't my tell me about time. it. It was my first time driving the game in over a year. Because mm-hmm. uh, of, of uni and everything, I haven't really been into it. I've been sort of doing eye racing, and that's mostly it. But going on to ACC was a big shift, and even resulting to going through Motec and data with Lee Pen, and just trying to get everything out. I had a terrible qualifying. Obviously, starting P14, it was pretty pretty painful but obviously as one of the more experienced sim drivers out of the real life drivers uh not having well the only instance i had during the race was a spin at turn four uh which was just as the tires were sort of dropping off and it just hit a bump wrong and spun round. but that didn't really cost me anything i was sort of running on my own at that point is that island or a shell island yeah so i just counted um, the corners in my head <laughs> yeah yeah so a spin there just out of nowhere car just completely went from under me and then and then a, a gt4 crashing in front of me and johnny adam which eventually i got johnny it was up into fifth or fourth wherever it was but then sam on uh, sam neary on fresher tires was uh, able to uh, catch up after his few instants earlier on in the race so you know, fourteenth to sixth at a track where it's pretty pretty difficult to overtake. It was a, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I hadn't spotted that two world champions in your wake. Because didn't Johnny win World Endurance Championship? Yes, and Le Mans winner and yeah, and British GT champion. So uh, I'll take that. Yep, that's that, that's pretty good. Put that one on your CV. <laughs> um, obviously, we we then went on to Snetterton, uh, which was a better race, wasn't it? How how did it go for you? Yeah, I think I qualified sixth or eighth. I, my strength really wasn't qualifying. It was obviously when you play the game a lot, mm-hmm. like obviously James Baldwin does, and obviously I'm not making excuses for myself because lots of them are new to it, but my strength compared to the others definitely wasn't qualifying. If I put my best laps together, I would have been much higher up on the grid, but that's part of it, and I couldn't. I couldn't put it together in qualifying, so I'll happily admit that qualifying wasn't my strength. My strength was the racing and getting through traffic cleanly and and using my sim racing experience to uh, make the most of the race rather than qualifying. So uh, finishing fourth in that race without any incidents, apart from obviously the incident at the start where Sandy Mitchell spun in front of me, and that put me down yeah. to about 11th, which was really frustrating. I, I remember that um, quite a few of the GT3 cars. They're not taking about three laps to get past the GT4s, didn't they? 
Yeah, so well, in Alton Park, I, I forgot to mention at Alton Park, at turn one, I was punted off by someone behind and I was literally right at the back and had to go through all the uh, GT4s. So that was, uh, that was a bit of a pain, Alton. But back to Snetterton, it was uh, another unfortunate start. Got caught up with a crash at the start, which obviously I couldn't really avoid. It was uh, a sort of a concertina effect in front and that put me down pretty far out of where I should have been. But once again, avoiding incidents... There was obviously a three-car pile-up at the S's ahead of me, which uh, benefited me quite nicely. And yeah. uh, was able to finish fourth, holding off uh, Jody Fanning uh, towards the end. Who, uh, I, uh, I was sort of taking it safe towards the end because I wasn't pitting in any of the... I wasn't changing tyres in any of the races, so my tyres mm. by the end were pretty shot. So it was just a case of trying to bring it home and defend. But yeah. held on to fourth, but just missed out on a podium. Yeah. Obviously, after that, we headed to Brands Hatch. Now, there's a lot of love going on for the Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit, and having only ever run it in Sims, I'm not feeling the love. What's your feelings on Brands Hatch? Uh, I actually, yes, uh, I see what you mean, because I like Brands Hatch on Sims. I think it's obviously flowing, and I like it, but everyone's saying, oh, it's the best track in the world, or it's the best track in England. I've thought, well... I'm not sure. But then after driving it in real life, obviously racing there this weekend, only on, even only on the indie track, I can 100% see the love for it. You have, you properly, no sim and no in-car video will do Paddock Hill Bend justice ever. You need to do it. You 100% need to do it. You've driven it. Try walking up it with two, two professional camera bodies and a large prime lens over your shoulder. <laughs> I can imagine that's a struggle, but like I said, there's, there's no yeah. no no experience can ever yeah. replicate going down that hill at ninety yeah. mile an hour. It, it's it's pretty special. So it's a you you've got to you've got to drive it to love it. Natural real world drive it to love it. Well, I think you could. I think I certainly think it's not a unlovable track in the sim, but. Mm. The first I did one when we first, when we rebuilt our rover mm. and I did my mm. first test session in it. Mm. Uh, it was my first time driving the car and just driving down out of the pits out of Paddock Hill. You're like, whoa! This is like a roller coaster. It's just so incredibly steep. Like I say, no uh, no sim or video can do it justice. You just have to drive it. And in driving it in the sim, went fairly well again. Uh can't remember what your qualifying position was. I could I could dig it out. I think sixth or around there again. once again, my practice pace much better than my qualifying pace. Just I don't know, my I, I struggled a lot with qualifying. I'm not sure what it was, but in all my qualifying sessions, like <coughs> most of my laps that I did, mm. I didn't have a personal best sector in it. If you see mm. if you know what I mean. Uh I like if you put my best sectors together, I've been I would definitely wouldn't have been able to touch Baldwin or anyone, but I would have definitely been higher up, but really struggled to put it all together in qualifying, even when I was doing it in practice, just that that pressure that Baldwin and the others get to handle, mm. uh, get used to handling, is uh, is pretty impressive and it, it makes it quite difficult for, uh, well, something I struggled with, certainly. So once again, I had to rely on my race pace. Once again, caught up in an incident at the start. It was Gus Burton. Well, it was Angus Fender sort of pushing me a little bit wide, which eventually cost him, which we'll get on to in a minute. But he mm. sort of pushed me a little bit wide at Druids. And then we had a bit of a tangle at Graham Hill, and that put me down to 11th again. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, for God's sake, once again, 
down down in the field. But again, my race pace and my my cleanliness got me back up through the field, finishing fifth on track. Uh, and then Angus got a five second penalty post race um, as a result of the our incident we had at, at Druids at the, at the start of the race, and that's what put me into fourth. So another solid fourth position. Yeah, given that, that you that. took fourth by what three point two seconds, that five seconds was. Was key. Yeah, I, I knew that if I stuck with him because him and Bobby Tranley were having a big battle and eventually I got past Bobby mm. and I, I was just thinking in the back of my mind I didn't actually think they'd they'd accept it as a penalty I didn't think they'd give a penalty but I thought might as well just stick with him and hope they do give it Yeah, and there's there's no point in me backing off now I might as well stay as close to him as I possibly can and if he gets a penalty he gets a penalty and I'm, uh, and I'm in a fourth yeah on to the final round that you did, the uh, the, the Silverstone round, uh, and the first time that the first time you'd experienced uh, the wet weather modelling in ACC, or yes, it was, and that was a big struggle for me. Pretty good, isn't it? Yes, frustrating when you uh, when you're trying to get quick on it, but yeah, big shout out to uh, my friend Vincent Erbrick, who's one of the uh, he's a really top ACC driver, bit of an alien, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he was really. He did some really good help. Uh, he gave me some really good help on the on the lead up because I didn't have any time to practice before race day, and I didn't even know it was going to be wet. So I get into the server and I'm like, "Oh, it's chucking it down." So uh, my first time in the wet, he helped me improve a lot. So I have a lot to thank to him. But um, no, it was still fun. Pace wasn't amazing, but I was just once again hoping that I'd keep it clean and cut through the field was in around seventh place and then my internet died so oh, uh so yeah, engine, engine failure yeah some, some, something like that it, it was uh it was pretty disappointing but it wasn't my best race anyway but you know it was uh still frustrating not to be able to finish it and at least take some points but yeah that was my final appearance of this season hopefully it won't be my final one forever but if it was, it was a bit of a disappointing note to end on. That does answer the next question, which is, are you coming back for British GT Sports 2022? If they'll have me. You know, it's uh, I, I'm not quite sure what the plans are for the next season yet. But, you know, if 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 something else, if it comes up again and I get the opportunity to, I, I absolutely see no reason why. I, I was really great to race against those drivers of that calibre. Um, even if it's on a virtual world, it's it's pretty. Uh, if you told me I'd be racing Jensen Button before uh, before the season started, I would have uh, I wouldn't have quite believed it. So it was still a really great opportunity. Even if even if I don't end up doing next season for whatever reason, I'd definitely like to if it happens again. But um, we'll see what happens. Any chance of doing it in Aston Martin with the Texaco TV Oliver? Funnily enough, funnily enough, I was experimenting with that livery. It's it's a real uh, <laughs> a word you would have to bleep to uh, <laughs> to make. I'll I'll say that it's it's really tough on the so uh, the more a- ACC liveries don't even get me started. Uh, give me eye racing every day for liveries. It's uh, although. Once you get them right, obviously ACC is a stunning game. It's it's absolutely beautiful, and obviously the Momo the Momo McLaren looks brilliant and whatever. But in terms of the templates for them, they're a real struggle. So 
We'll see what happens. I also don't know how British GT would feel about Texaco racing in a Sunoco sponsored championship. That's that's a fair point, but we're we're, we're calling it historical license. I can't. <laughs> so we we spoke a little bit off air about sort of like the a the standards, but b also what was going on in the Discord. I don't want you to to let go of any secrets, but was it quite? friendly in there on the whole especially with you and the gt4 drivers what were the gt4 drivers like in terms of getting out of the way for you um well the gt4 drivers are all very experienced sim racers um they know what they're doing um obviously there are some times where it's their fault i had a couple instances with them where it they got warnings for it and whether it was their fault but they're not obviously invincible but in terms of friendliness yeah it's all friendly in there everyone just is doing it Obviously, the the, British, the GT4 drivers take it somewhat more seriously. I know I take it very seriously as well, as serious as I can. But obviously, some drivers, not naming any names, but with with drivers with a track record of lots of incidents in the race races, didn't seem to be I a take either taking it as seriously or you know, it's hard when you're not a particularly experienced sim racer or whatever. But obviously, the GT4 drivers are fighting for a a place in the uh, in the in the world series aren't they and and the uh two grand fanatec bundle yeah, that, that, I, that's what i was yeah. hoping to qualify for yes, that's, <laughs> that's what i'd take that's definitely what i'd take uh, british gt nudge nudge wink wink that's definitely <laughs> what i'd take so you know mm. it was all friendly but obviously the uh the gt4 drivers emotions are higher i think with those guys because they're really fighting for a for a championship whereas the gt3 drivers are fighting for best of the rest behind james and angus really do you reckon with time to practice you could be on terms with with james and angus for next year uh definitely not <laughs> quite frankly what angus, about 23 <laughs> give, give it give it 10 years when five-year plan five-year plan yeah it's james is obviously james is actually obviously phenomenal he's he's a proper obviously world's fastest gamer you don't get that you don't get that title off the back of a cereal packet that's uh he's he's very very good clearly and just to be anywhere near him is is good enough for me angus fender as well he's obviously come through as a very talented sim racer not doing much before which is annoying but you know some people I never claim to have the best natural. My brother is like my younger brother, Marcus. He's top 30 in the world on the F1 game and I could never be near that. So I've, I've learned to accept that I'm not the most naturally quick. I just, like I say, my, 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 my skill in the championship was keeping it clean and uh, getting through the races without incidents. And that's what got me some solid results where some drivers obviously are quicker, but getting penalties and, and getting incidents and crashes it's it's all part of the package. So I work to my strengths rather than uh, just trying to get as quick as people. I work to my own strengths and accept that some guys are just naturally have it. But the final question from me, what hardware does it take to finish ahead of a Le Mans winner and a Formula One world champion? What, what, what's your rig like? Uh, well, it's, it's a very roll center rig because it's actually made out of old roll cage. Um, right. it's, a, it's a Sparco seat. We've actually got two rigs because obviously I'm at university and my brother's still sim racing here. Well, I was at university for six weeks until the second lockdown hit and I haven't been back there since November, which has been tough. Another story for another time. But um, our original rig, 
is a Sparco seat on a homemade uh, rig made out of roll cage or bent mm-hmm. tubing. Very solid. Uh, and we've sort of got our own adjustable sort of pedal length and everything and uh, for different sizes. Uh, in terms of the soft, uh, the hardware, in terms of the actual sim racing equipment, we uh, we have a Fanatec CSL Elite because we started a lot of well, all our sim racing until the last year or a couple of years was on PS4. Um, that's how me and Marcus both started in sim racing, just on PS4 on F1. So we wanted the most compatible with PS4, which is obviously the CSL Elite, uh, with the Formula the Formula V2 wheel and the uh, Fanatec V3 inverted pedals, which are the pièce de résistance, you could say they are they are pretty 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 bloody good pedals that uh, we re- both really enjoy. So uh, that's what it that's what it takes us to. Uh, obviously, there's lots of people with even bigger setups, but that's what that's what we're comfortable with, and that's what we've got at the moment. But we've obviously seen this new Fanatec mm-hmm. DD CSL, which is looking very tempting. So I'm on the uh, I'm on the mailing list for that, and and mm-hmm. I'll try and. Uh, I'm going to definitely try and get that when it comes out. I mean, we've we've only got a limited time as this is one of our regular episodes. Um, but as we spoke about a little bit, yeah, it'd be be really great to to get you on as one of our guest special interviewees and, and talk about some of the stories uh, that we touched on before we recorded uh, this section for our regular podcast. Um, so, you know, if, as you said, if, anyone's got any questions you've got plenty notice to get them in guys um but it's been a pleasure talking with you even though i've not done a lot of the talking uh this time well thank you for having me and i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to being on uh being on for a bit longer next time so whenever whenever you want i'll be ready Hi, I'm Michael O'Brien, professional racing driver for McLaren, and I'm delighted to be joining the guys on the British GT Fan Show. Go and check them out, and uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed. So, the the news we've all been waiting for, really, is the announcement of the entry list for the first round of the 2021 Intelligent Money British GT Championship. And a very busy Tom Hornsby found the time on Friday to release that information to the general public. So we can talk about it now. Now, I've given myself the interesting job of making sure that Nick doesn't get too carried away with his comments on the teams, as we'd quite like the episode to not go on for too long. Uh, So I'm basically going to act as timekeeper. Um, I should have set up and had a buzzer or something so that uh you know i can move things on with it but i don't know that might be a little bit too harsh eh nick all i'm gonna do is wish you luck because i do get (laughs) i do get carried away on these ones uh so in our usual style we are going to start off with gt4 so we're going to run through the entry list four brands specifically and uh any extras we'll we'll add on afterwards as from kind of the feel of it i think we may possibly be expecting a few more surprises as the season goes on uh which we like surprises so it's all good so first up in the gt4 entry we have not one not two but three entries 
from the one team, which uh, is the most number of cars entered by any team across the whole championship. And that's Team Rocket RJN, who will be entering three cars, two of which are the delayed McLaren driver development program, uh, which was put on hold last year. Now that's moved over to them from uh, their predecessors. Uh, but they also have an additional car in there. So we've got the numbers two, three, and four. Uh, number two is going to be driven by James Kell and Jordan Collard. And then we've got Alan Valente and Michael Benya here in number three. And Harry Hayek and Katie Milner will be taking up the number four mantle. They're all silver class entries. Um, and they are all McLaren 570 SGT4. So anything to say on this, Nick? Picking a. Picking a stronger car from this lot is going to be difficult. I mean, we have five McLaren driver development drivers in three cars because Jordan Collard, of course, started his GT4 career with Tolman in the driver, in the driver development program. Uh, James Kell established himself quite well last year as well uh, as a GT4 driver. So the, the Collard and Kell pairing is going to be a fairly strong one. What we've also found from, from the previous year since 2015, I believe it was, when the driver development program started and Tolman debuted the 570S, is that if you bet against McLaren's picks for decent GT4 drivers, you, you're being a bit silly. Um, the only thing that I would potentially worry about with the running of the three cars all in the same class is because they're going to be well-run, well-driven, are them scrapping amongst themselves going to let somebody else slip past and take the title? It's really something to watch out for. We did see a little bit of uh, that going on last year at points. Uh, I'm saying nothing, but Paddock Hill Gravel Trap did have something to say, didn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so next up on the list, we've got the number nine, which is the Century Motorsport uh, BMW M4 GT4 Evo, uh, which is going to be driven by Chris Salkeld and Andrew Gordon Colbrook. Uh, they're a pro am pairing, and of course, Chris is our most recent uh, guest episode, which will be out <coughs> in the not too distant future. I'm unfortunately external circumstances and the fact that we couldn't stop talking and i've got over five hours of interview to go through to try and pare down into a decent length um on top of you know day-to-day -day commitments <laughs> means it's taken its time but it will get there and it's going to be worth waiting for um i absolutely promise you that uh so yeah let's have a quick chat about this car yeah i mean you struggle to talk about this car without first without also talking about its sister car, mm -hmm. the, the number 57 uh, Century Motorsport BMW M4, uh, which is being driven by Gus Burton and by Will Burns. And I will point quite happily point out here that when it comes to comment on that car, Sarah beat me to the punch and she spotted the interest with Will Burns. Did you want to disclose that? I see. Credit where credit's due. Um, so yeah, we'd been keeping our own tally of everything. And Wilburns had previously been announced in one of the Assetto Motorsport G56 cars, but obviously 
seems to have moved across the century. Assetto, incidentally, are now only looking so far, at least, to be running the one car. Um, so we're not sure what's happening there, but I'm sure we'll find out in due course. Yeah, well, the the pairing of of, of Chris Selkeld, obviously runner up in Janetta GT for Super Cup last year, um, he has won the GT5 Challenge as well in a very distinctive white and and, and purple uh, Janetta, paired to Andrew Gordon Colebrook, who's rapidly becoming a staple of the class and a very gifted. Uh, driver in his own right. That's going to be very strong. Uh, when you compare that to the other car, Will Burns in the in the fifty seven car obviously raced in British GT with with HHC in two thousand eighteen, so knows the championship. Um, also, recent successes in Geneta GT Super Cup. Meanwhile, Gus Burton uh, has also raced in in GT four Super Cup as well, so he's got. Uh, experience in a similar level of equipment. Um, referencing to to what Chris told us when we were, when we were interviewing, you need, need to listen to the interview when it comes out to understand this. I think the fifty seven might be handicapped by juice box ballast. Obviously, new cars as well, uh, or updated cars. The with the two Century Motorsport cars, we don't know how well they are actually going to perform. Uh, as we say, solid driver lineups in both, which would indicate they're going to be up at the front. But both cars have now received the 2021 Evo kit. Um, obviously, so new spec on the M4. And until we actually hit some British tracks with those cars, we don't know how the BOP is going to equate to the other GT4 cars running on bumpier, twistier uh, tracks in the UK than we tend to see elsewhere where GT4 cars run. So let's move on from Century then to the next car that is on the list, uh, which is the number 15, which is the Toyota Gazoo Racing UK car. Now, this was under the guise of Speedworks last year, but they are returning again in a Toyota GR Supra GT4. Pro-Am pairing of John Ferguson and Scott McKenna uh, for this lineup. Yeah, we've got a, a lineup here that is very Porsche heavy in terms of experience. Um, Ferguson took the 2019 Carrera Cup GB third place position in the AM class. Meanwhile, uh, McKenna has won in the the GT5, the Geneta GT5 Challenge, but took sixth place in the Pro class of Porsche Carrera Cup GB last year. So. We're looking at people that are used to driving cars with a bit more aero and a bit more power, and they're going to need to remember the way that things were before they got into into the what would be a GTC class car now for us. Uh, Ferguson potentially has a bit more of a leg up on this one because he has also continued to race in Formula Ford 1600 as well. And a more mechanically driven formula in terms of grip, it's very hard to find. That's all about mechanical grip. And it's also fantastic fun to watch. Now, the next car on the entry is the number 25, which is Car Gods with Sicily Motorsport. They are turning up with a Mercedes AMG GT4, another pro-am pairing here, of Dave Whitmore, who we saw in selected rounds 
last season uh, will be partnered with Jake Giddings. Yeah, um, uh, Dave performed very well alongside Luke Sendzikowski last year in the Tajiwa branded BMW. Uh, Jake Giddings obviously has been in and around the British GT paddock for years, um, has oodles of talent, and Sicily know how to engineer a car. Um, they've raced a couple of times in British GT in the past with uh, Mercedes. They've also run in GT Cup to get get to grips with the car. Um, and they've been running, obviously, touring cars for at least the past three or four years off the top of my head, probably longer, starting off with the Bumblebee Mercedes A-Class, which, I mean, that's got to be five, six years old now. So they're, they're, they've been running at the top flight for a long time. Uh, we're looking at a solid team with a solid pro and an AM that proved his mettle last year. Uh, for the Pro-Am Championship, this, this, this could be quite interesting. Now, Fox Motorsport are the next team up with the number 40 car, another McLaren 570S GT4, with Nick Halstead as the AM and Jamie Stanley as the Pro. And right now, Lawrence Tomlinson from Janetta is knocking on the door of the the British GT organising team and saying, hey, can you stop stealing all my drivers? Uh, because Nick Halstead finished third in GT4 Super Cups AM class last year. Uh, he has also raced in TCI UK, and he has endurance experience. Uh, and trust me, there is a lot of endurance required for this because he raced in the Citroen C124 hours at Spa. Now, the C124 hours races are cracking fun to watch. They are absolutely bonkers. But the thought of a car that's doing a three-minute lap at Silverstone, doing a lap around Spa, you've got to have patience for that. Um, Jamie Stanley, in the, the the pro in the car, has raced a number of times in British GT. Uh, his crowning achievement is the GT4 title in 2010. Um, but we're looking here at a, a potentially quite a strong lineup. Um the McLarens have always been at or near the front in whichever class they've raced in. Um, so this this one could be could be good as well. I know I'm saying everything could be good, but we're kind of going into a series here not really knowing a lot. There's a lot of new names. Now I'm expecting high things from the Fox Motorsport uh, car purely from the quality of the footwear. Oh yes, you were you you were very impressed by the but by the Sonic race boots, weren't you? Yeah. So I'm not one for shoes. I'm not one for, um, you know, your stereotypical girly fashion or anything like that. But those mm. boots are stunning. That's all I'm going to say there. I'm going to move on to the next because we're, mm. we're out of time. <laughs> uh, so next up is the number 42, uh, which is a returning pair. Um, I'm not going to impinge on your notes here nick uh but we've got the 42 stellar motorsport uh familiar pairing now of richard williams and Senon fielding in the audi ra lms gt4 evo a silver cup pairing ask me the question of who's gonna win the silver cup title in british g4 british gt4 this year nick who's going to win the silver cup title of the british gt4 this year the computer will churn away for thousands of years and turn up the number 42, just as it did in Hitchhikers. 
I mean, these guys picked up the car from Germany, put some stickers on it, turned up to Snetterton the first year they had it and won. They've got a year of running in GT3 under their belt as well. They're an established, well-oiled team. I don't want to curse them by saying they're going to win the title, but I've got candidate for title here. They know the car. They work well together, as I said. It's a, it's a proven platform. There's, there's no... You look at all the other Silver Cup entries that I, that, that I can see here. There's not a trinity there of, of a steady parent with the team running the car they've always run and a successful proven chassis, except in the number 42 car. And I'm finding it very hard to look further than further than Richard and Senan in if picking out a potential winner in, in, in silver. And as we saw last year, if you win silver, there's a very, very good chance you're going to win the GT4 overall title as well. Moving on, we've got a new car making its series debut, uh, which is the number 56 Assetto Motorsport. Uh, now, this will be pedalled by Mark Sampson and Charlie Robertson. Um, and they are in a Janetta G56 GT4 Pro-Am pairing. So, yeah, definitely the series debut for the new car, the G56. I think potentially a world debut for it as well. But you never know, one could have got slipped out elsewhere and I've not seen it running. Uh, Mark Sampson uh, is a... Genetta GT4 Cup graduate, so has raced on the British GT package before, as have Assetto Motorsports. Um, Charlie Robertson is a Genetta factory driver. Uh, we say a new car. Of course, the Genetta G56 is very heavily based on the Genetta G55, uh, the G55 and its preceding G50 model. Um, have managed to rock up. 75 wins in the GT4 class in British GT since the class's introduction uh, just over a decade ago. Um, so that's a lot of a lot of success for Janetta in this championship. Um, updating the car so it can keep up with the technologically driven McLarens and Mercedes and, and Audi. It has been due for a number of years. Uh, the death of what was the most populous car in British GT to zero cars last year for the Janetta proved that they needed to to modernise the product slightly. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how the new car goes. I, I wouldn't write this one off. Janetta have been in GT4 from the start. They know how to build a fast GT4 car. And uh, there, there, there's a driver line up there that uh, doesn't look like it's going to be too slow. Next up, we've got the number 61, which is, of course, the Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang GT4. Uh, silver Cup pairing of Will Moore and Matt Cowley. Which the pairing and the car did quite well when they, when they, when they showed last year as well. Um, what I have noted here, of course, is that we have seen in multiple photos during the off-season a fully liveried in British GT livery with British GT number on it, number 62 as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least once during this year, and hopefully many more times, two Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang GT4s. 
Matt and and Will uh, say both proven. So it's going to be interesting. The the Ford really does show well in the in the more Formula One type tracks. The more Formula One type tracks are also the endurance rounds this year, which means they attract more points. So if they struggle, if they struggle early on in the season, they could still mount a mount a fight for the title as they did last year. Yeah, I think this team is definitely in with a shout um, of being up there. But I'm not throwing my weight behind anyone yet. <laughs> no. I think the key the key for Academy will be maintaining consistency in their lead driver lineup. Mm. Last year we had a a little bit of change in the driver lineup which which impacted them. Um crucially we had change in the driver lineup at the big points paying races. Uh so so the drivers were 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 gelling rather than gelled. Um if we have consistently Will and Matt throughout the year, there are a number of tracks out there on the calendar um that do suit the big bang of V8, grunty brute of a take me down this nice long straight kind of car. Um so yeah, there, there's possibly hope for hope for Academy this year. There's always hope for Academy, but you know what I mean. I do. So that takes us to the last car which has been announced for arriving at Brands Hatch next week, which is the number ninety Balf Motorsport McLaren five seventy S GT four. Um, another silver pairing and this is going to be driven by jack brown and ashley marshall just having a quick look here um it's going to be a very mclaren heavy silver cup it is uh again taking a quick look here we've got one audi one ford and everything else was made in woking <laughs> um obviously know how to span a car They've obviously been spannering very, very well in GT4 for, for for a number of years. Know how to put put a McLaren out in a competitive in a competitive way, as indicated by the fact that the only Pro Am car in the field last year still managed to win a race uh, at when run by Balf. Now, of course, it's not all down to the people that that wield the tools. You need to put the right pedalers in there. On that front. We've got a bit, a, a bit of an extreme here. Uh, Ashley Marshall has done five seasons in the Ginetta GT5 Challenge. So he's going to get in the car at Brands Hatch at the weekend and go, wow, this is massively quick. And then there's Jack Brown, who was runner-up in the Ferrari Challenge Europe Trofeo Pirelli. So he's going to get in it and go, come on, where's my horsepower gone? <laughs> so a bit of a difference. Um, but uh, if they gel well as a team, we know we know Sean Balf can can engineer and, and and his guys can can engineer a race winning and potentially championship winning car. So it's all it's it's all down to the race boots that go in it and who they're attached to. I think the absence of of TF Sport has obviously meant we're going to have new champions. Zero doubt about that. Um, but I think it has kind of opened things up a lot. Um, I would certainly be struggling to, at this point, put my money where my mouth is. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a case of 
suck it and see <laughs> for me. Or I could just go with my previous experience of uh, placing bets on things which are usually interesting names or uh, look good. So <laughs> it's worked well for me in the past. <laughs> well, if it's if it's in the look good category, it's between the 40 and the two. Uh, because in terms of liveries that we've seen so far, those two are absolutely stunning. This is it. We have not seen the liveries from the rest of them. We've seen the Toyota Gazoo racing livery, which is mildly tweaked for this year. Uh, we obviously know the livery that that Richard and uh, Senan are going to run in the Stella car because they ra- they've run it for the last two years. I mean, they could change it. They could throw us a curveball. Um, but they've run the same livery on the GT4 car. Well, they ran the, the livery on the GT4 car last year and a different livery on the GT3, didn't they? Well, uh, in any case, I would like yeah. to say, or I would like to think that I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser now, and I actually have a little bit of, of knowledge under my belt, um, although I'm still yeah. struggling at this point to kind of make any decisions. But I think you know, we need to wait for next week, really. Yeah. I mean, I've I've nailed my colours very firmly to the mast outside the, the the Stella Motorsport Garage for Silver Cup. But if you want an accurate prediction from me of who's going to win the championship, get back to me about five minutes before the end of Donington Decider. And, but we, all, like, we, all, <laughs> we also know we don't want to jinx anybody. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I, I think I might have an angry Richard Williams chasing me down the road after we get to the race track. You bugger, you, you hit me. You and your famous predictions. <laughs> Shall yes. we move on to GT3? We can indeed. Hi, I'm Scott Malvern, and you're listening to the British GT Fan Show. To keep up to date, follow their social media at BGTF Show. So heading up on GT3, uh, first off, we've got the number one, Barwell Motorsports, uh, which is, a, of course, the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo. We've got a pro-am pairing of Adam Ballon and Sandy Mitchell. Yeah, what do we say here? First of all, congratulations to Sandy, now a pro rather than a silver. Obviously now a Lamborghini factory driver as well. Adam proved himself last year very handy. He was obviously in the title fight. Uh, So we've got the reigning champion and somebody that was putting in a pretty strong CV for the job last year in the car that won the championship last year, uh, run by the team that won the championship last year. And I had to stop and pause as I was saying that because, of course, the previous driver pairing just runs off the tongue because <laughs> we're so used to saying it um i think it's going to be interesting to see um to see some of the changes for gt3 yeah um, it's, it's 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 a very different looking entry list isn't it despite the fact we see a lot of the same names it is different mm. now the second barwell car for the upcoming season is going to be the number 63 um again Another Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo uh, with pro-am pairing of Leo Machitsky and Dennis Lind. Yeah, with this car, obviously Barwell Motorsport, we know, as we've said with the with the number one car, they know Lamborghini and they know how to make them go well. 
Dennis Lind has been a hot commodity in the past. Didn't have his best year last year, but then nobody really had their best year last year. Uh, hopefully, 12 months of living in this new normal. Um, we've got our equilibrium back and people are, are back on form. Leo Machitsky, um, obviously a former overall champion. And if you do have several thousand dollars in your bank account, you can still buy the car that won him the championship. Um, not exactly his star being in the ascendant right now after, and this is my opinion, it's not the opinion of the show, but a fairly disgusting incident during GT Cup. Uh, don't know exactly what happened during the GT Cup race at Brands Hatch to precipitate what I can only call him road rage. Um, but there was some overly boisterous defence on the final lap, followed by two deliberate deliberate contact incidents on the slowdown lap. Um, now, hopefully GT Cup's race directors pulled him to one side and read him the riot act. Uh, I'm guessing that Mark Lemmer has also said, look, you need to think about what's happening here. Uh, and that the Leo that we see at Brands Hatch at the weekend is the Leo that we all know and love from his previous his previous appearances in the championship and not the one who suffered from red mist a few weeks ago at the same circuit. It could just be a lapse in, well, it was obviously a lapse in judgment and um, I do hope that that he's learned from it uh, and that we don't see it in, in British GT because it wasn't particularly pleasant to watch. So the next car we have listed is the number five, which is a Balfe Motorsport McLaren 720S GT3, uh, which is entered in the new for this year Silver Am class and is also a father-son pairing of Stuart and Lewis Proctor. Yeah, the only Balfe Motorsport McLaren in the GT3 class this year, but not the only Balfe Motorsport McLaren in the GT3 class this year. Well, we'll and come to that in a bit. <laughs> we will come to that in a bit. Stuart <laughs> made great strides last year. I've, I've got a lot of respect for the for, for the job that, that he did last year. Of course, first time out, he was struggling to stay ahead of the GT4 cars, and the car was getting involved in some pretty spicy dicey. Uh, at the at the final round of the championship and at, at latter rounds as well. So, Stuart has obviously made leaps and bounds progress. Lewis has got a year of experience driving not this particular chassis, but the same car, because he was partnered in the Optimum Motorsport car last year, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a, a, a good, strong strong candidate for for for, for silver Ann. um not 100% certain that we're going to be looking at a challenger for the title but there's not as much in it now between the two class well the three classes uh that we've got in the GT4 GT3 category as there was last year the the real benefit was having two silvers uh, so two people that could turn out a pretty hot pace. So I wouldn't even rule them out to be 
on those uh, the sheet the sheets when in a couple of months' time I ask you to sit down and do the maths again. Moving on to uh, the number six car now, which of course is the first of two cars from Ram Racing, uh, pairing of Ian Loggy and Yama Berman. Uh, entered for this season as a pro-am pairing in the Mercedes-AMG GT3 Evo. Yeah, one of four driver lineups that have survived the off-season completely intact. And the only driver lineup, and uh, team car and, and, and driver's lineup, that comes into the championship as defending class champions, if I recall. Ram Racing and, and the Loggy so. Berman car did win Pro-Am last year, didn't they? As you can tell, I'm, I'm really prepared for this one today. Um, they've won it before. They can very easily win it again. Um, so far, we've only had single drivers do the on-the-bounce on the, on, on the bounce winning, haven't we, in, in GT3? Uh, obviously, with Johnny Adam winning it a number of years in succession. Mm. Um, so it's about time that that changed and we had back-to-back winners of two drivers one car and one team winning back-to-back twice I'd like to see it um, yeah strong offering in Pro-Am problem is they're fighting against Ballon and Mitchell in Barwell a number of other strong lineups. Uh, in, in the Pro-Am class, there's just looking down the list here. I mean, I can't, I can't do the maths off the, off, off the top of my head just scrolling down the list here, but there's there's a fair few champions' trophies hiding in trophy cabinets in this paddock. So that, that they've got strong competition. Now, the second Ram Racing entry um, is a one-off currently for brands, potentially with a view for more. Uh, but that's the number 69, which, of course, is Sander Hahn's number. Um, and he's partnered by James Cottingham, who's a name that some of you might recognise. Again, Mercedes-AMG GT3 Evo. Um, and they'll be entering as a silver and pairing. Nick, do you want to give us a bit more info on this one? James Cottingham, if you are a, his- a fan of historic racing, and if you're not, I recommend you become one because there is nothing like watching some of those historic cars going door handle to door handle uh we're talking a man who's driven ferrari 250s jaguar e-types ford gt40s and yes i'm reading this off of uh off of the british gt.com news report but we are talking a some of the most iconic cars in racing but b some of the most interesting to handle cars in 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 motor racing they're not very big on the old um aerodynamics and and slick tires so we've got a man that can handle a twitchy car and he's driving a big brute mercedes amg gt3 evo i think the switch from ford gt40 to mercedes might be slightly easier than going the other way sam dehan obviously is a man of proven pedigree in the championship. Uh, Where I have concern with Sam is for the past few years, the pro has set the car up to suit Sam's taste. Uh, Or we've had drivers of equal metal uh, that have have reached a compromise. 
Sam is now in the situation where he's going to have to make severe compromises to what he wants in the car to support his less experienced teammate. And it's the first year of of him leading a team rather than either being the obvious am or co-equal. Um, it might take a wee while for him to to settle into that role. Um, I wouldn't be expecting fireworks from that car at Brands Hatch. I hope we see it later in the year when the relationship has stabilised and settled uh, because you're silly to bet against Sam, basically. And in terms of AMs without much modern car racing experience, James is looking to be one of the better better ones he could pick. Let's move on now to the number seven car, uh, which, of course, is another well-known number. Uh, this is the Beach Dean AMR Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3, uh, driven by Andrew Howard and Johnny Adam. They need to change the number on this one because Andrew Howard, Johnny Adam, Aston Martin, it should be the number 007 on the side of the car um, is my first opinion on this one. The boys are back together. Uh, we are looking at a, we are looking at a, a pairing here that between them have three championship titles uh, together. Obviously, Johnny's got a lot more because he's won it, quite, won it quite a few times now. But Andrew has won it twice with Johnny. Johnny has won it once with Andrew uh, due to a, uh, a, point, a points irregularity. The Aston Martin's a proven car. And if Andrew's had the time to get the testing in that he lacked last year, then there is absolutely no reason to bet against this car. It's, it's a good car. It's a good team. It's, it's a good amateur driver and one of the best pros ever to grace a British circuit. And I'm going to stop you there before you start waxing lyrical because I know you could go on for hours about this car. I could. It's just look back through the history and if they really, really want to make me happy, get a shot of the new car and bring back the one with the V12. <laughs> so let's move on now to the number eight, <coughs> uh, which is a... Return of the Team Abba Racing car, uh, Mercedes-AMG GT3, Silver Am, and another father-son pairing of Richard and Sam Neary. Yeah, Richard's been making consistent progress over the past few years. Since the BMW Z4, he's been improving year in, year on year in year. Sam Neary last year, for me, was the standout driver in the GT3 class because he came out of nowhere and took the fight to the likes of Yelmer Berman and Sandy Mitchell and all the Lamborghini factory drivers that turned up. He was fighting on turn with Phil Keane, and there's not many people in British GT that can fight on turns with Phil Keane. Um, still running the old car as well, not the, not, not the new version, but driving that car like it is the next generation because he's keeping up with the latest car. There is a little bit of news to relate with regards to this particular Mercedes-AMG GT3 as well, because last weekend, I believe it was, at Snetterton, Richard Neary was peddling the car in GT Cup, while Sam was teamed up with another driver in 
in the family's GT4 car. Uh, Richard managed to achieve the 500th Mercedes-AMG overall win in in GT racing last week um, since Mercedes-AMG returned to top-class GT racing with the SLS-AMG. So that's the 500th overall win for Mercedes-AMG. And it was, I suppose, somewhat embarrassing. embarrassingly, the old car that did it. We've got the number 11 entry, which is the return of JRM Racing and the pairing of Kelvin Fletcher and Martin Plowman. Uh, we thought we'd seen the last of the Bentley last year, but it's back for this year. Um, Pro-Am pairing, obviously, uh, they did not participate last year due to the pandemic, but they have, as they had said they would, returned. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to see them, um, and I am happy to see the Bentley. With the whole way that GT3 racing is set up, a factory leaving shouldn't kill off the car. It's meant to be customer racing. Bentley are still producing parts for the car. Uh, you can still, if if necessary, buy one in kit form and piece it together if you total it. So. There is no reason to stop racing it. And JRM keeping, I'd say keeping the old girl going, but she's only about three years old. <laughs> um, uh, but JRM keeping the old girl going and, and, and keeping that, that, glorious and, that glorious shape and that glorious noise available to us for at least another year. Um, thank you very much to JRM. Martin Plowman, obviously is a successful driver in the history of the championship, moving up to GT3. Kelvin Fletcher. Oh, I have to say, at the start of last season, I didn't like like Kelvin as a, as a pit lane and grid reporter. But he really grew on me through the season. I'm going to miss him doing the interviews. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be happier behind the wheel, wheel, wheel of a Bentley. And it is good to see him because we, of course, are looking at the 2019 Pro-Am champions in in GT4 here. There is definite talent in this car. We can look to Nick Jones and Scott Malvin, though, from last year, and the difficulties they had translating their GT4 experience to pedalling fast in a Bentley. Um, So not necessarily expecting the greatest of things, but it is nice to see the car and it's good to see Kelvin and Martin back on the grid. Is the WPI Motorsport Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo Pro-Am entry. Michael Igo has settled on Phil Keane as his pro for this season, breaking up the band, as it were, uh, but reforming a new band. Yes. Um danger 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 this is a spicy car in terms of championship contention i wasn't quite sure whether to come in with a will robinson or high voltage there (laughs) yes this is everybody else on this entry list needs to look at this car and find a plan to cope with it phil Keane has won the most races of anybody in british gt 
Michael Igo has been on a lightning path through the GT3 ranks for the past two years. And he has really improved as a driver. He understands the Lamborghini now. Pairing him with Phil Keane and obviously with WPI, who not as historied, if that's a word, as Barwell Motorsport in running Lamborghinis, but they they've definitely proven what they can do in the past past year when they've they've been winning races. They've been beating Barwell at their own game. Michael and Phil is a is a strong combination. The number twenty four is the next car uh, up, which is Simon Green Motorsports. Now we did see uh, an entry from them at Silverstone last year uh, in the last round uh, under the GT Cup, but they're here uh, for a full season Silver Am entry with another Lamborghini Hurricane GT3 Evo, a partnership of Lucky Kera and Ross Wiley. Yes, Simon Green. I remember fondly the first time I saw Simon Green Motorsport with a Jaguar XK that they'd built on their own racing in a brick car race with uh, Freddie Hunt at the wheel of it, if I remember rightly. Um, Kind of kept a a rough eye on them as much as I can since, but obviously focusing on British GT, and it's great to see them making it to the main game, Uh, not wanting to be derogatory to other GT racing championships in the UK. Uh, The team are graduating from GT Cup. They've also run in brick cars, I've said, and Porsche. I'm doing it again. Porsche Carrera Cup GB uh, with a brand spanking new Italian car. It was a Ferrari last time out in GTC. Lucky Cara is the reigning Ferrari Challenge UK champion. So he's used to racing fast down 4C cars. Um, Ross Wiley is a experienced pro. And... We are talking about the pairing here who, along with another driver whose name has completely escaped me, led the Silverstone Showdown last year uh, for a number of laps at the start of the race, um, despite being in the middle of the three classes. So things to be excited about with this one. And you can never have too much Lamborghini. The next car on the list to appear at Brands next week is the number 26 Ultimate Speed Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3. Uh, now, this car isn't going to be at all rounds, but it will be there next week. So we're going to talk about them now. It's a silver and pairing of Michael Brown and Matt Manderson. Four rounds picked out on the calendar for the Ultimate Speed car. I'm not going to make projections that this car is going to set the world alight and trouble the top of the timesheets because we have seen it a number of times before uh, with the same driver combination and being fair, it hasn't. But they are building up, they are making progress as as are a lot of teams. You, you, you can learn to drive these cars testing. The only way you can learn to race them is by racing them. And each step up you take, you've got to learn to race them again. So, so don't expect to see them at the front of the field. But don't expect to see them at the back of the field either. It's They're ripe to make the next step forward and sort of move into the mid-pack. 
Um, so we might see it at Brands. We may see it either of the visits to Donington, or we may see it at Snetterton, but don't expect them to finish at the back of the field every race because they, uh, they're showing more promise than that. A return for a well-established driver pairing next up in the number 33 GCAT Racing of Seamus Jennings and Greg Catton in the Porsche 911 991.2 GT3R, uh, the only AmAm pairing uh, for the upcoming season. Not just because we don't have the guys from, from the group here anymore providing balance. I am feeling a lot more charitable towards Seamus and Greg than I was a couple of rounds into last year. Because I've now driven that car, at least digitally, and it has kicked my tush as hard as it was kicking theirs when they, they were first getting used to it. It's 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 a humbling experience driving a Porsche around Alton Park in the wet, <laughs> uh, even digitally. Uh, they've had a good amount of time to get used to the car, and being fair, whilst the car was originally kicking their tush, they are now kicking tush in it in GT Cup. Uh, so they are moving forwards, they're building pace, um, and British GT is a logical progression for them. As with, as I said before, do I expect them to be battling with uh, the Barwells and the Rams and the Balf cars? Balf car potentially. Probably more battling with Simon Green and Ultimate Speed for the back of the field, more mid-pack places. I'd be absolutely delighted to be pro- to, to be proven wrong in that one as well. Um, the car does look great, even two years into wearing that livery. It still looks fresh and new. Uh, it's good to see Seamus Jennings and Greg Catton coming back for another bite of the British GT Apple. And I really do wish them all the success. The next entry is the 66 Team Parker racing car. Um, needs little introduction from us now. Uh, we had Scott Malvin as our guest quite recently, obviously returning for another season with Team Parker Racing and Nick Jones uh, in the Porsche 911 991.2 GT3R as a pro pairing. And we already know the livery looks stunning. So what else are we going to say on this one, Nick? If Nick Jones and Scott Malvin could win a race in a Bentley that was proving to be a bit of a handful, in fact, an absolute pig to drive at times, last year, on their debut season in GT3, what they can do with a well-engineered Porsche this 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 could be quite this could be quite exciting, and as Scott told us, you can't just walk into your local Porsche dealer, hand over a sack of cash, and walk away with a GT3R. They are not the most populous car in GT3, and we've got two of them as well. So that lovely flat six bark. Um, I'm excited. I expect to see them making progress this year. They've got. A car which is potentially a proper weapon. If we get the precipitation that was 
fairly missing last year, apart from the one round that we managed to get to. We managed to pick the one round where we got drowned like rats to go to. The Porsche is is legendary in the wet because of that rear engined formation. So we could we could be looking at a, cha- a car that's challenging here. Team Parker have won before. Nick Jones and Scott Malvin know how to win a British GT Championship. They won the 2018 Pro Am GT4 class. So I'm kind of hoping that I've got to draw a little cartoon of this car for the uh, Championship Mathematics next at the end of the year. Now, the last car we've got to talk about in the GT3 entry list for Brands Hatch next week, um, we alluded to it earlier um, when we said more on that later. Mm. Uh, it's the number 77 Enduro Motorsports, uh, which will be pedaled by Morgan Tilbrook and Marcus Clutton. Uh, it's Perro and pairing for a full season entry in a McLaren 720S GT3 that we have seen before. A race-winning chassis in the British GT Championship, coming back for another attempt at, at winning races. The 720S, formerly the pride and joy of one Mr. S. Balf, um, that obviously he and Rob pedalled to not limited success. Uh, it did quite well in a number of races. Morgan Tilbrook uh, has done selected GT Cup rounds uh, last year in a GT4 car, which the team were intending to bring to the to, to the British GT Championship this year, but they've managed to lay their hands on top class machinery. Marcus Clutton properly impressed last year when he raced uh, in the in the JMH uh, Auto Lamborghini with John Searle at Alton Park, where I believe he is one of the ARDS coaches. So giving him a full season so we can see more of what he can do at circuits that aren't his home circuit is is going to be exciting. It does mean that we aren't restricted to just the one McLaren as well. Because, again, you look at the entry list, there's a lot of change in terms of drivers. There's a few new team names being thrown in. But the McLaren was the most populous car last year, and we've only got two of them now. It's a strange cycle that motorsport's going through. What I did also want to say is um, that I am quite disappointed by this entry list. And the reason I'm disappointed by it is we are nine cars down on capacity. Now, I know that the pandemic has hit a number of businesses hard, uh, which means that the money's not necessarily out there for sponsorship. But Brick Car and GT Cup are thriving, and British GT suffering a bit from, from, from a lack of entries. It, it, it saddens me. I have a genuine love for this championship, and it saddens me to see only 26 cars on the entry list. Now, I'm a little bit more hopeful than you, I think on this front uh because mm. this is the confirmed entry list for brands hatch i think we will probably see more cars as we go through the season mm. and on that note we do have at least one car that's going to be appearing through the rest of the season just not at brands hatch um as newbridge motorsport had announced that they will be bringing an aston martin to gt4 yeah um Newbridge Motorsport uh, with Matt Topham 
as the amateur in the GT4 class. Uh, did GT Cup in the Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT4 last year. Uh, claimed several class wins in that championship, so not without pace at all. Uh, his co-driver requires absolutely zero introduction. It is him, it is DT, Darren Turner, uh, one of the Aston Martin factory drivers, of course. Um, it does say that the team are looking to make their, their full season debut, uh, but they're not on the entry list for the first round. Um, the car did lead quite a lot of the Silverstone showdown last year. Uh, an inspired strategy call left them uh, le- left them out front, and they led. It it wasn't a it wasn't a momentary thing. They were out there for, for most of the race in command of the GT4 class. So expect interesting things when we finally see the Newbridge car. Hi, I'm Nathan Freak, team owner of Century Motorsport, and you're listening to the British GT Fan Show. Find them across all social media at BGTF Show. So that's the lineup for next week and a little snippet of what we expect to be beyond. Um, now, it is worth noting as well that a press release was issued recently um, about the SRO taking action on climate change. Um, they're going to be partnering with Permian Global in the fight against climate change. Uh, they've made an agreement which is set to last for three years, which will see the multinational motorsport giant who promote the Intelligent Money British GT Championship, along with the Fanatec GT World Challenge, powered by AWS, Suite of Championships, GT2 and GT4 Championships, and the Rebellion Series, heading towards carbon neutrality by the end of the 2023 season. Uh, the SOO will be investing in Permian's project in Borneo, specifically uh, the Kattingen Mentire project, which to date has prevented the release of almost 40 million tonnes of CO2 into the atmosphere. Now, in British GT in particular, all competitors at the first round of the championship at Brands Hatch have committed to the SRO's carbon neutrality competitor programme and have purchased carbon offsetting credits, which will support Permian's work in Indonesia. Obviously, the planet's in a, in a bad way. Um, there's, there's no denying that. And as... I mean, I am take me out into the yard and shoot me now for crimes against humanity. I'm one of the worst offenders uh, because my entire career has been pumping noxious fumes out of an exhaust pipe somewhere around the country. But obviously motorsport is, is quite a producer of the very gases that are causing us the issue. There, one way to deal with it is electric, and that is on the cards, but SRO are no longer involved. In, in planning the electric GT championship, they, they withdrew from that competitive tender. Um, they're looking at other ways to, to limit the impact. And carbon offsetting is, 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 is a good way of, of, of doing it. It enables us to carry on doing as we've been doing whilst trying to repair the damage. I agree we need to change. Carbon offsetting is a way to move towards that change without throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Want a better way of doing it, a better way of putting it. 
I think there's a there's definitely a big move towards net net neutrality in terms of carbon and also kind of going into a carbon negative as well. Um, some companies are now announcing that they have the ability to do that, and you know, as we said, that's only good for the planet. And I think it's it's really good that you know there is something on there, and it means that we can perhaps be a little bit guilt less guilty when going to watch the races. <laughs> I say the one thing I will say is don't think me as I said there against electric motorsport um whilst we are the british gt fan show i am going to confess my guilty pleasure uh in that i've been watching a lot of electric motorsport recently and if you haven't been watching formula e and you haven't been watching extreme e this year feast your eyes on it because it's been stunning except for one race valencia for for round five at, at circuit ricardo Torma, where Quite a few of the cars finished, about 18, 18, 9, 8, 17, 18 of the cars finished, but less than 10 classified because the safety car took away so much energy that all of them ran out of electricity before the end. <laughs> but on the whole, it's been it's been astonishing as Formula E this year. And that, that new Extreme E Championship, I'm looking forward very much to the next X-Prix. So electric motorsport is coming on, but... I do like the way the SRO is is working to 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 keep traditional motorsport going the way that that that, that it has been. All right, and finally, before Sarah says goodbye, there is one more piece of news to share, and it is a massive congratulations to my friend and colleague Sarah. As people that have listened to a number of episodes will know. Sarah has said several times uh, in over the previous episodes, almost with a hint of shame to her voice, which hasn't been warranted, that she still hasn't passed her driving test. Sarah, is that still true? It's not true. Yes. Congratulations very much go to Sarah for a, a pretty impressive pass on her practical driving test on the 29th of last month. Um, I'm massively proud of her as, as her driving instructor. Um, but she did it all herself. And massive congratulations. Now take care of my old car. I would say it's been a long time coming, but there has kind of been a global pandemic in the middle and several cancellations. Mm. So it's not entirely my fault it's taken so long. Mm. I, th- I think you've had more cancel- test cancellations and driving lessons, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Something around that. I think probably the most nerve-wracking point was coming back into the test centre where I needed to do my manoeuvre to see you peeking round the corner. Are you blaming me for that? Hey, is, it, is, it, is it the get fact any that issues I... on my manoeuvre? <laughs> is it the fact that I was looking round the corner that caused you to pick the manoeuvre that you hate the most for your final manoeuvre on your test. No, I just had a complete and utter brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how many minors did you get? Five. Which is one better than me. So with that now finally decided in Sarah's favour, Sarah, you're driving to round two and I'm sleeping. 
So that wraps up this episode of the British GT Fan Show. Don't forget to check out our partners, TCF Sports Cars and the Checkered Flag for everything motorsport. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure you keep up to date with the British GT Fan Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember, the show's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website, www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media, at bgtfshow. British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen Creative and RPS driven media production. To find out more, visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk.